teenagers. That's right, the effing teenagers. I'm in charge, so I decide what the F stands for, and it stands for effing. I'm fuck, Ryan. fuck, fuck, motherfucker, motherfucker, fuck, fuck, motherfucker, motherfucker, shit, fuck. And bringing in the the yang to my yin is Matt Rather. Hey, Matt. <laughs> hey, how, how you are doing? you? I'm, I, yes, I am uh, assertive and thrusting. Assertive and thrusting forward, always, like the yang to your yin. Uh, and we are back um, in the, the waning days of being able to discuss new episodes of Gossip Girl. Um, right. We're, uh, are, are there words like penultimate for fifth and fourth to last? I only know, I only know uh, third, uh, second, and, and last, which are you know penultimate, anti-penultimate, anti-penultimate, A-N-T-E penultimate, which means before the penultimate, and, uh, and then ultimate. Ultimate. Um, I, I don't want to get to that second to last episode. I actually hear that uh, there's apparently a plane crash in the penultimate uh, episode of Gossip Girl, uh, and that somebody dies. Um, and so, I, is that I, is that real? Uh, I mean, that's. I, I don't know how confirmed it is. I I, I spent last night reading Gossip Girl spoilers uh, after watching these most recent episodes. Uh, see uh, episodes uh, six and seven of, of season six. Um, I forget how. Uh, I, I guess I did that because um, my connection, like my my version that I uh, watched of of the most recent episode, uh, cut out at some point before the end. Um, I was watching it on the CW, and I didn't want to go back through um, about an hour of like skin product commercials, um, and so uh, I I wanted to see if I missed anything, and then just saw the opportunity for. Uh, series-ending spoilers, and I, I couldn't look away. Um, so, yes, I am anti-penultimate. We do have a weakness for those series-ending spoilers. It's not like it it matters, in a way. I mean, this is like uh, this is something that uh, we, we've talked about this a little bit uh, throughout this uh, season of, of TFT, is uh, there's still a lot of... I mean, there's... I think there's... In terms of Gossip Girl, one of the things, right, so that I've seen um, is is that in the last episode, the identity of Gossip Girl will be revealed um, in the last episode. And I've also seen that uh, Kristen Bell is supposed to be um, in the last episode. And so if that's the case, then that means that Gossip Girl is someone that we do not know and care about. Um, and in that way, it is it is a kind of lost Esque, we're we're kind of being set up for a potential lost esque uh, end of like, oh, it didn't really mean anything at all, um, and and I think that, and and again, it's it's interesting. I mean, it could go one of two ways. There still could be some kind of cataclysmic world ending. I mean, and not uh, the actual world, but like world of Gossip Girl ending thing, and kind of related to Dan's. Uh, you know the revelation at the end of this most recent episode that, yeah. in fact, 
like playing a long con on Serena. Um, or it could just be, you know, continue just to be the, in, the, the same cycles, uh, again and again. Like, in fact, like, uh, what I hope is that, like, just the cycles keep, like, speeding up. And in, like, the next, the last three episodes, Dan, like, rekindles with Vanessa, breaks up with her, gets, uh, gets together with Blair, breaks up with her, gets together with Serena again. And just the micro cycles, right. like, you know, going so fast uh, until it like creates this white hot, um, bright light that just ends. I guess that also is cataclysmic. I, I really guess I hope there is some kind of um, grand metaphysical um, event, um, which I guess is also what I think one was hoping for in the end of um, of, of Lost, and instead it's like they were all dead the whole time or some bullshit, and it meant nothing. Uh, <laughs> so. Like, I, I think there's this question, right? I guess it's it's kind of getting at a, yeah. It's like, the, it, we're great, there's going to be this kind of unbearable lightness of Gossip Girl, right? That, um, that, that it like, you know, is it the fact that, you know, it, you know, that it, it will, is likely to, we're facing the fact that it's likely to end without like resolution or things that made it all make sense uh, and, and built towards something and I think we're we're confronting, um, you know, even with like only three episodes to go. I, th- I think there's this tremendous uncertainty of, you know, what it all meant in, in, a, in a way um, over in what this whole stretch meant. Right, and that, and you with each episode that sort of ticks off, w- spinning its wheels, or at least not spinning its wheels, because I think I, a lot of interesting stuff has been going on in these last in these last you know half dozen episodes of this this season so far. But the the farther we get into the the ultimate season, and and the closer we get to the ante penultimate, the penultimate, and finally the ultimate episode, with nothing really changing, yeah, you're right. The chances of a of a world altering sort of metaphysical event, uh, the the chances of that get smaller. Um, right. It's like, which leads me to believe that it should never end. It should just be Gossip Girl should be always and forever. Um, <laughs> I want to. I want to interrogate something you said. Um, if if it turns out that Kristen Bell is Gossip Girl and the actual voice, uh, Kristen Bell playing Gossip Girl on street in, on screen, in, in addition to giving the voice, and she's not been in the show so far on screen, so we can't. Uh, so she's someone we don't know or care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will ma- that will render the whole thing that will render the whole thing meaningless. I think you're right, but I kind of want to interrogate why you're right. You you know, uh, you know what I mean. That is to say, what is it? What is it about that? Because Gossip Girl seems to promise. It's funny that they traffic uh, in these promises. At least the advertising traffics in these these promises. That would be a very interesting thought experiment to me. Imagine watching the show without seeing the minute and a half of clips from next week's Gossip Girl at the end, right? Because I think that those clips actually set a cognitive agenda that is perhaps counter to the actual project of of Gossip Girl, right? Uh, which is more or less that nothing ever changes. You know, it's kind of a closed circle of... It's a closed circle of... Um, uh, of you know social organizations uh, and social actors within um, within those organizations that uh, 
very interesting because it's it's but that itself i mean there's like another thought experiment right like or like you say is that it would be very interesting whether like gossip girling as we have uh uh defined it that is kind of setting up a false cliffhanger and then resolving it very quickly whether that would have as much bite you know that if that kind of on the next Gossip Girl didn't exist or if it, it were more aligned with what was actually happening. Um, and, you know, because in some ways, at a certain point, I think where we've come to on Gossip Girl, you know, at first we were, you know, pointing it out as a as a weakness of the show, that it's not really good in, in, in the kind of long-run serialization um, or in the kind of middle run, um, but that, like, um, that th- this uh, uh, that we've kind of evolved over the time of doing TFT th- is that um, that itself has like like you say says something about this social world um, and so it'd be interesting that, again to kind of further this thought experiment of whether that kind of larger um, interpretive point and that kind of larger meaning would be, even be as effective without the on the next Gossip Girl. Like, because, like, we know, but the fact that it's set up, it's like, on the next Gossip Girl, everything changes. Um, then that even itself becomes, this promise of change becomes part of this, like, dialectic of no, of, of no change, right? That is, like, the, and, 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 and they, they reinforce each other in a really interesting way. Yes, I mean, I yes, exactly. I think that's I think that that's right. That is to say, it wouldn't be without thwarting an expectation, without establishing an expectation to thwart the show. Wouldn't nearly be as powerful as it is in terms of uh, painting the kind of social world. Um, it's interesting. It makes me that, think that it paints. I, I want to go two places with this, but sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What were you about to say? I think that it's interesting that on um, near the end of our. Um, our our last uh, TFT episode, we actually talked uh, a bit about um, Arrested Development. I think that here's another case where there's an interesting, and I, I don't know why with maybe with the reemergence uh, of of, um, of 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 Mark Bass and all of the kind of daddy issues and kind of incest panics that are coming to the fore in this last season of Gossip Girl. That then that's re like placing um, Arrested Development as a kind of an interesting companion piece um, to Gossip Girl that we hadn't really considered before. Um, and, 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 got, and, and you know, one of the interesting hallmarks of Arrested Development was, was the on the next arrest development that like, right. deliberately um, kind of played with this convention. And they almost, there were generally two things that happened on the, on the next Arrested Development. They either... Um, I mean, they always show things that you don't see, but then they were either things that, like, never were true, right? These are these things that, like, th- th- there's no implications of, or there are major things that you never see happen. You know, like, Buster losing his hand happens only on a on the next Arrested Development. Right. Um, Never uh, on the on the scene, and there's there's several others like that. Um, uh, George Bluth Senior uh, converting to Judaism, I believe, is is one of the first instances of that. Um, and that, I mean, you know, I think that that speaks to some of the different aims of that show and that uh, social world. But it's like it's interesting how these kinds of things that are more about the. Um, the, the 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 packaging of the show right they're not in you know they're not um within like you know the back what are an episode right if an episode 
um, goes from. I mean, there's an interesting question. When does an episode of Gossip Girl start? And if it's like Gossip Girl here, uh, what's interesting is that, you know, if it's from like Gossip Girl here to end credits, one thing that is included in an episode proper is the previously on Gossip Girl. Um, And that itself also lines up. Sometimes slants. Yeah, I mean, it sometimes slants what's come before in in a particular way to cue up whatever is on deck for the episode. I mean, to mix, that, to mix like three metaphors. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it sets a cognitive agenda as well. And so that these kind of bookends um, um, play together. But like, so, so where would you like to go? Kind well, of de- to, to, I mean, this, so this is what me, you mean when you say, if it's someone we don't know, it really doesn't mean anything because Gossip Girl is about the uh, interactions within, within a closed system that is intersected periodically by, uh, related but distinct discourses. But then I, I want to talk about actually the the end of this last episode that th- that we are watching, and the ones that we are considering are the art, uh, the art auction episode, and, uh, and fashion, one. junior fashion line episode. Yes. B B by Waldorf. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is an interesting. I mean, that's an interesting. I like. I like that Blair's salvation is right. Like, is the fact that she can always be a high school student. But the 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 interesting thing, like when we realize that Dan is in fact, you know, working an angle and is, uh, you know, reuniting with Serena in order to presumably like betray her, right, or at least what uh, g- gather intelligence for his quote unquote Serena chapter. I think we realize that that nothing has changed. Well, and, and, and in fact, it's like it, we've also realized that like Chuck was right all along, right? It's like the bump, bumper sticker, like you know, don't blame me. All along, that Humphrey was a dick, you know, like right, like that's like kind of the earliest episodes um, in season one where there's all these various conflicts between. Um, you know, Chuck was among the most resistant to Humphrey, right? Uh, like, this guy is not one of us, um, and we must, like, expel him and keep him out, right? And that was, like, a pretty robust conflict for most of the first season. Um, you know, and Blair also was, was pretty strong. Um, and, you know, whereas, like, Nate and Serena were the kind of weak, weaker points in the immune system, right? As they always are, um, sure. of the social immune system. And right, Nate and Serena are the vectors through which, right, like uh, outside pathogens, outside forces can sort of glom on to the social world and kind of get some sort of legitimacy, whether it was, you know, Juliet or Ivy or, you know, what have you. Lifton. Um, yeah. You know, the, I mean, the list like literally goes on and on. And I think there are fewer instances I mean, there are some instances of blair and chuck being that as well um uh but i think that you know i think in some ways the whole arc of the show it, if this is an interesting thing right when we talk about like the various levels of, of which there's an arc right that you know because a lot of these mini narrative arcs are about how this system deals with outside pathogens, you know, part of what we are seeing is that 
um, you know, Dan Humphrey was always an outside pathogen in a way, right? And and like this is what happens when you like when the the this is why there are barriers to entry to this social order. Sure. <laughs> but let but let's I mean let's then consider kind of what has changed, right? And I think that 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 um, I think that what's changed is us, right? Because where, whereas in season one, we were sort of aligned with Dan in, in terms of standing outside this system, you know, uh, that and Blair and Serena were sort of unattainable figures. Um, now, I, I, I think that the show puts us with Blair and Serena and sort of Dan is kind of the uh, Dan is kind of the the one who is who is looked on as as being the kind of object of looking right rather than the looker uh by the show's by the show's camera so what's what's changed i think is us right there's been this kind of process of social education of becoming socialized to this uh you know particular representation of the upper east side um, social system, and that, and that through that, I mean, through that education, we've, we've, uh, uh, you know, everything changes. Well, it, it, the only thing that changes is, is really inside you. Um, and I, here's an interesting question is that are we viewing from the perspective of Serena and Blair, or is it Chuck that we are now identifying with? Um, and this kind of gets back to at some point um, in one of these last two episodes, someone says, you know, I never would have thought that like Chuck was the hero and, and Lonely Boy was the villain or the right. villain, right? Um, but for Chuck, that has always been the case. Um, and, 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 but like, you know, certainly early on, right, that like uh, Chuck was the like, n- like pixie haircutted bad guy, right? Um, yeah, you remember there were some really terrible early haircuts for Chuck. Oh, man, we we could start a whole Tumblr of just bad Gossip Girl haircuts, uh, <laughs> um, with with Ivy's like curl, Chivy's curly hair uh, art gallery. Do uh, yeah, that was pretty. I mean, that kind of like eighties, you know, rocker chick kind of hair metal thing was was very interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was, uh, but it's still again. I mean, between that and then us being forced to see uh, Dan's. Like during the uh, sex tape episode a few episodes ago, see Dan's like crazy, um, almost like '90s Michael Jackson um, <laughs> uh, uh, do in the in the in the sex tape from the end of last season. Wow, you're uh, so right. Yeah, uh, yeah, lots of just lots of bad hair um, around. But anyhow, yeah, I mean that Chuck was you know seemed like the bad guy, um, and and I agree that we have changed um, in that. You know, I think that we, you know, why I would make a case for our us being more aligned with Chuck. I mean, in part, has to some uh, so, something a bit to do with what we discussed about the the Chuck quest um, last last time, last episode, um, and is also related to. Yeah, I think that. This this idea that you know Chuck kind of understands the rules. He, he like he's both within this system, you know, is on the inside and yet is detached from it. Right? It has this kind of distanciation, uh, you know, that he can kind of seize these structures, can operate within them, understands them, but isn't really is also 
apart from them and cynical about them, right? And then I think that as we watch, uh, um, you know, I think that in some ways, like, by the end of uh, any given Gossip Girl episode, it's very easy to sympathize with me, to be kind of dead in the eyes with a thousand-yard stare the way that Chuck is at the end of uh, uh, of the episode that we just saw, right? It's like, you know, you can just say, like, it's over. I lost. <laughs> um, you know, it, we'll, 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 never, we'll never be together, Gossip Girl. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and, 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 and feel that. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Or, or do you think that, that we are still more aligned with like, uh, uh, Serena and Blair? No, I mean, because what is, I, I think we couldn't be so aligned with Serena. I mean, I think that that honestly, once she, once she sort of lost her role as a kind of idealized love object for Dan, she had nothing to do. And I, I think that like, uh, I have a feeling that Blake Lively, who has had some like artistic success acting in some other movies, like The Town, for example, um, or you know Oliver Stone's right Savages, right, who at least has kind of done some interesting stuff. Uh, I I think it was clear, and I, I seem to recall reading in inter- interviews that she was sick of it more or less, and the character was sort of sick of it. Like you know, she spent the last three years being like, kind of, what's my thing, you know. Uh, and so, um, I mean, after she stopped pretending to go, after they all stopped pretending to go to college, um, what's my thing? And and Blair, honestly, like, because the, the, the Blair had it going on, I thought, when, when she and Chuck were kind of at the height of their evil powers. But, uh, but um, Blair has gotten sort of boring and conventional. I mean, right, like... You know the 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 equivalent of the what the the high achieving you know career woman who decides to quit everything and and uh, you know play house. Not that there's anything wrong with that as an aspiration, but it's it doesn't make for the most compelling television, right? Like you know, I, Blair's uh, sort of stabs at bourgeois respectability um, are what kind of disappointing almost like oh you know i know you are there is a budding businesswoman in there somewhere where where on earth says her mother right like when on earth did blair give the sense of being interested in business right she's interested in in she's interested in power and i think it's it's i think she'd she'd do better as secretary of state right than she would do as a uh you know, as a, as an executive in a large corporation. Yeah. I mean, but I think that she tried that, right. And that didn't, you know, she tried to be the princess of Monaco and that, that didn't work. Um, well, that's a good point. I mean, that's a good point. Like, and then she tried to be Indra Nui for a little while. Right. And like that didn't work out. Right. Um, and so, I mean, that's, yeah, I think that, I mean, I think that is this, there is this, this dynamic. And, and I mean, in some ways, as you were, you were saying this, that also kind of interestingly fits with even some of the dynamics in this most recent episode with, with Parsley Sage, um, kind of her criticisms of, of Blair, of like, you know, that in fact, Blair can't really hack it as a businesswoman. Like her, what she is good at um, is being a a queen is being a a certain kind of of ruler or statesperson, and yet there isn't really. I think part of why she couldn't really be princess of Monaco is that that really, 
you know, that form of authority doesn't even exist anymore. There's this actual monarchy, right? That, um, that, that even in the real monarchy, it's much more about PR. Uh, it's, it's much more closer to being Indra Nui than it is to being any kind of, um, monarch, right? That, that you are, you are, um, the head of, of a large, you know, internet, multinational, uh, entity, um, that, that, uh, and you're more that than you are exercising, um, authority, uh, to, to shape the world. Um, and I think that as a result, right, there's, uh, and, and I think that, you know, Blair keeps, in some ways, Constance was the one place where there were not kind of constraints of alter- of other political systems kind of bumping up against, like, the Upper East Side system, right? And so, um, you know, the, 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 the Blair or the B line uh, for, for Waldorf is, is kind of an attempt to, to at least cashing on the sim right on the on the symbolism of that but it, it's it, it's still this this like just it is almost like a consolation prize in some way um and and because it's you know she tries to sell it as well this is this is where like you know way to actually influence to be in the fashion business is is that is to turn the fashion business into the empire business but i mean your your reading you know, fits possibly closer with um, Sages is that, you know, this is kind of this sad attempt to stay a teenager forever. And there isn't really a lot that's um, that's there. Right. The, the you've brought you've brought up, I think, a, a couple of interesting things. But the one that I want to I mean, the one that I want to the path that I want to go down here is um other political systems kind of bumping up against the Upper East Side. And I mean, I think it was an interesting, the the five families, right? Like uh, the idea that there are parallel monarchies at the other high schools is is an interesting one. And that like that there is some kind of stability because there's sort of regime change as uh, new classes kind of come in and that uh, Blair sort of... Um, uh, Blair sort of reconvenes a meeting of the of the you know the dons the lady dons from uh, from the other schools and then like did you notice that that in that meeting she was relying on sort of procedural maneuvering legalistic maneuvering ra- you know what I mean rather than uh, you know I don't know rather than the sort of brute force power she was relying on more sort of sublimated forms of social power um codified in laws uh it's 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 actually what it makes me think of is much more makes me think of weber right weber's various forms of authority right so she was like relying on rational legal um authority um rather than much more like kind of patrimonial authority much more traditional authority or charismatic authority right that um and and that's kind of interesting right i mean i guess it's because she felt right cuz again um as as we were saying last week you know that authority is this you know the power fused with legitimate social purpose and because like the kind of either charisma or kind of traditional Bases of legitimation were um, gone. She kind of had to fall back on procedure, right? And she, even though 
the other thing she fell back on was the fact that it was a kind of a founding kind of legitimacy, right? That I, I started this um, and, and they didn't really, I mean, I guess it, it, they didn't care that much. Um, but I think interestingly, I mean, right. You so, are right. If, so like, if you go back to, you know, say the marching band you were in in college, right, and start telling the kids about how you used to do things back in the day. They, they smile and nod, you know, indulgently, but they don't give a fuck, you know, uh, right? Like like these things, the, the only, the only <laughs> relevant uh, social organization is always now, right? Yeah, but they're wrong because it was really cool when we did the marching band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Signs point to that being true, actually. But um, I mean, yeah, exactly. Be um, that as it may. Uh, sorry, go on. <laughs> well, and it's true of Blair also, right? Because no one has had an affair with a with a drama teacher, or uh, you know, it seems like these kids today, these teenagers, is not fucking uh, right. Certainly not wearing those berets that they were all wearing at the uh at the time so but where where blair does end up like after after parsley sage decides uh that in fact she won't help out because she discovered that serena and her dad are not in fact together anymore right blair still kind of masters them through the through uh, through having created desirable objects right through through being able to engender desire in people and to sort of direct um direct that desire towards tangible goods, which, you know, I guess that is the, the luxury goods business, right? Right. And I, and that, that is interesting, right? So that, that is, I mean, that's a really, and this is something we talked about a little, a little while ago in when Blair was a magazine editor as well, right? That, you know, there sure. is one possible interpretation, right? So yeah, that she's not, you know, if we see her, if we want to interpret this path as like being a fitting path for Blair, it's not in that she's being a, you know, promising young businesswoman, but it's that this is the way, right? In, in controlling like preferences and, and getting people to do what you want them to do through by both shaping what they want and, and then um, controlling the supply of that, right? So basically controlling supply and demand. So this very economic form of power and where kind of material you know, power fuses with like discourse and like what things mean. Like that's where like Blair may be able to be a kind of queen in the global political economy, right? That um, you know, it's it's the 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 devil wears Prada. Uh, uh, you're, you wear that blue, that color of blue, because I once said that that was a good color of blue. Yeah. Good- in this in this office, you know, ten years ago. Right. 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 Exactly. Um, and that's, I mean, and that's an interesting thing, right? Blair has, and it, it does represent a kind of development for her character, right? Because at, sort of at the beginning of this um, stretch of our conversation, we were sort of talking about Blair being best within a defined set of rules, right? Within a social world that is not prone to upheavals and kind of revolutions. Uh, 
the way that the business world is prone to sort of economic or technological upheavals and, and revolutions, the, I mean, and actually this is something that sort of Eleanor uh, gestures to when she comes back and says, what is this Downton Abbey with the, you know what I mean? With the, the employees lined up to do reverence uh, to Blair and to kind of, you know, watch her march before, before them, like commanding officer style, uh, the military, right? Another, a football team, actually, by the way, these, you know, these are, um, the virtue, one of the virtues of these kind of uh, social enclosures uh, is that they have very clearly defined, uh, very clearly defined rules. Um, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, what is uh, Blair's line but a set of uniforms? Right, right. Yeah. And that's and that's interesting, isn't it? Right, because uh, what a uniform does is it signifies someone who is authorized to play a role, right? Um, it, it's the funny hats and shoulder pads. Sure, it's, yeah, exactly. It's funny hats and shoulder pads. It signifies, yeah, it signifies group membership, but it also signifies, um, you say authorized, like, like legitimacy, you know? It signifies a legitimate social purpose so that the person in the uniform wielding some kind of power, whether the power is actual violence, as in, uh, as in an army, as in warfighters, right? Or uh, sublimated violence, as in a football team, um, that, that this exercise of power, uh, you know, is clothed, literally clothed in legitimacy, Right, exactly. Um, I mean, it reminds me a little bit um, of the, and this is a slightly different, um, but it's about, you know, it's also, um, it, it, it reminds me, it's less about uniforms, but about kind of the relationship between objects and legitimacy of the kind of very famous um, Omar uh, quote, uh, when Omar is testifying um, and the lawyer. Yeah. Right. And he says, you know, you know, we're, we're basically the same. I'm just like you. And the lawyer's like, what are you talking about? And Omar's like, well, I got the shotgun and you got the briefcase. Yep. And so that, that they are, you know, in fact, playing a similar, you know, the, the point is that, you know, they are playing a similar structural role. But one, it's just that this one kind of symbol of the tool that is used um, is is you know connotes one as legitimate and and another as as brute force um and yet you know again in in our view you know it's very clear you know that, you know kind of again thinking about how how we identify and how we change um over the time of viewing the wire um you know i think by that point already and that's i think only in season 2 you know, we we identify much more. It's very clear to us that Omar is, you know, it's hard to talk about good and bad in in the wire, um, but you know, we we definitely have gone through. It's it's much more. You know, it's it's very clear where where we are identifying there. Um, and and again, that's much more like the Chuck transformation, right? Um, so. Yeah, so that's, that's that's very interesting. I want to can I, can I just take us down a, a bit of a rat hole because I I kind of feel like having a political science lesson this afternoon um, because I want to talk about legitimacy, legitimate social purpose, and sort of what constitutes legitimate social purpose. I mean, it seems to me that that is sort of based on the assumptions of a particular interpretive community, right? 
Absolutely. That is to say there are different legitimacies, right? And and the you have to kind of select among the salient legitimacies for a particular um Right. Uh, for, for a particular set of circumstances. And when I say there are different legitimacies, well, let me I mean, let me give a couple of examples like fairness is one source of legitimacy. Right. Like uh, agreement or law is another source of legitimacy. Right. Like righteousness or uh, revenge. Right. Is or you know what I mean? Retribution belongs to a kind of legitimacy that is sort of you. You took this and I can inflict a, uh, uh, you know, an equivalent uh, an equivalent harm. Uh, on you, and sometimes that retribution is like codified into the law into the form of like damages right like legal damages for for something like that and 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 it, i mean it strikes me what is the origin do you think of gossip girl characters' legitimacy what is the origin of gossip girl characters well like 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 what specific like any given characters or because i there's there's just as you say there's heterogeneity in the forms of legitimate right but it's it's essentially it's it's essentially sort of aristocratic or like be- belonging to a family right belonging to one of the the five families right um because i think that i think that the thing to point out here is you know that legitimacy i mean i guess what we mean by legitimacy is an idea that you know it, that that an authority uh, like a figure or a rule should be um, like complied with, should be followed on the basis that it is morally right, right? And so that um, you know that that it's it's kind of you are not complying, you're not doing what somebody says because you fear the consequence, but it's because you've kind of internalized. There's a, a kind of a meta norm that if if a certain authority has a certain kind of moral um, reasonableness or moral correctness, then you ought to follow them, whatever, the, whatever it is that they say that you should do. Um, and so I think that like, like you're saying is that the, this kind of, there are different pathways to this kind of moral, um, you know, moral, moral rightness. Um, and, and I think that in, in, in Gossip Girl, I mean, that's an interesting question. That there that, is, I mean, yeah, I mean, moral rightness, but there are there are also there's a, a heterogeneity of of moral rightnesses, right? And like, hence the show, you know, Law and Order Special Victims Unit, actually, by uh, where where it's like, oh, my gut tells me this, but the you know, but the the letter of the law says this, or frankly, The Wire, right, is actually a far more profound text, I think, that that does that because The Wire, in focusing on on uh, jurisdiction and procedure, uh, reveals um deficiencies in in certain forms of of moral rightness right the moral rightness of the law and following the law being law abiding right there is certain one kind of like legitimacy comes from like performance right that that one like kind of moral rightness that why a um a a um ruler should be followed is that they um is that they get the job done, right? That they, um, you know, if if a certain type of, of governance uh, is is like the resolution of of disputes, right? So that if if there are you know various kinds of enforcement or dispute resolution or um, 
um, enforcement and coordination to be done, like the ability to um, solve that in a way that is believed to either be fair or in, you know, generally in line with like the kind of um, the, 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 the moral, the values of a given community, then that the ability to do that um, is it confers legitimacy. Right? So is that, and, and I think that one thing that you see in the wire is that, um, right. Time and time again, like the various um, in that type of performing um, and getting, getting it done uh, the, like the Barksdale organization um, or Omar are often more legitimate than, um, than, than the, uh, the Baltimore police or, and often though, or when they're, um, you know, that the police, the, 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 the characters on the law side are like, um, act in a way that, that gains legitimacy. It's often by really breaking with the formal procedure and, and in fact, you know, doing what works with re- reference to, the, um, to the set of, of, of people that it, it relates in, right? So it, it, it's this uh, uh, legitimacy, like you say, it, it adheres in the shared standards, shared values of the the people who are being governed, rather than in anything inherent about the um, the governor, right? So I, I guess that's why you know when you sort of ask something about like where does the legitimacy of these characters come from? Like, yes, there are some symbolism ability that. Um, that 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 confers that, but again, even this idea of like that that of nobility being, you know, having that, of that being a source of of legitimacy at all, you know, comes in part from the fact that you know these were uh, specialists in violence who did that, uh, who, who exercised that, um, uh, that, that skill very well in a way that benefited others, right? It's not, you know, that there's not often a legitimate roving bandit. It's when the roving bandit starts to, um, solve problems for you that they become legitimate rather than just, um, the, the, uh, the guy with the shotgun. Right. Though say what you will about Omar, at least he doesn't juke the stats. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> I, 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 lo- I love that idea of like jo- Omar with like the Omar, uh, Comstat meeting, um, of like, yeah, um, like him and his boyfriend just like cataloging how many drug dealers they've ripped off and, and him inflating that, um, boy, that would be, see, see, that would be a reason, a, a case in which Omar would deserve to die, uh, <laughs> Um, to, to, to depose uh, Omar. I mean, so I, yeah, so I think that. I mean, it's it's very interesting, right? It's it's. I guess that there's this circle. There's. I, I think that one thing that this conversation um, reveals um, is that there is this kind of chicken egg relationship between the more symbolic roots of authority and the more performance oriented um, roles of them, right? That, that, that there are, you know, because we see these social systems, you know, the gossip girl, we don't see the, um, origins of, of gossip girl. Um, we, we don't necessarily see how these, um, you know, the, we, we, we see the lava lamp of society, 
you know, mid, we, we kind of turn it on midway rather than when it is being constructed um, from more of the constituent parts. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, just, but we may, I don't know if you saw that um, Julian Fellows is, I think, going to be um, directing a, um, a, a Downton S. Abbey-esque show set in New York of like the 1860s to 1880s. Yeah, they called the Gilded Age or something like that. Um, which I would, I, I mean, I, 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 I would like very much for him to just team up with the Gossip Girl folks and make it a like pre, pre, pre of of Gossip Girl, yeah. right? Like, um, lady, Lady Gossip, I yeah, presume. Exactly, exactly, and like um, you know, um, Bartholomew Bass, uh, <laughs> the negative first. So I guess the Bar, like the, the yeah, it basically would be the. Um, it would be the the Back to the Future three of Gossip Girl. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, with uh, with with Rufus Humphrey's grandfather's flying train. Um, yeah, so that's that rabbit hole. Uh, well, uh, thank you. I mean, that's that's very that's very interesting to me because we talk about legitimacy a lot, and getting into the Weber a little bit is is. Uh, it's not my area, so I, I appreciate the orientation. Um, in terms of just kind of going back to the um, place where we, we, we started this, I think there's another interesting moment um, in that scene where um, Eleanor enters and she says, what is this Downton Abbey? The other thing that happens in that scene that I think is very interesting is she says, um, Dorota, since when did you become a, a seamstress? Like, go and get my bags and like keep the house. It doesn't seem that you've been doing this, right? And and I think that that's a fascinating. Um, it's fascinating because all along, I mean, yeah, we do see um, at various times throughout early in the season where Dorota is a a um, you know a housekeeper, but really she's mostly Blair's kind of secretary of state or whatever. She's yeah. Right hand, um, and I think there was two moments in this uh, episode, both that moment, and then um, you know when uh, when Eleanor wants Blair to have a sit down and make amends with Nellyuki, she says, "You know, Dorota will put on a late lunch," um, and and it's really interesting of of Eleanor's attempts to kind of reconcile this this social order of like the help is the help rather than. You know, Dorota is this um, kind of jack of all trades. You know, it is essential to this um, uh, this social order, and I think that's it's very um, it's it's very interesting. Uh, and I don't I don't know I don't know. I mean, well, did you did you pick up on that? And you did you have any thoughts? Well, what can she do? She's so devoted to Blair. You know, yeah, that's the best thing about it is, <laughs> how, is how how devoted she is. Yeah. Um. I well yes actually I mean something that's interesting about Dorota the interesting thing for me was her uniforms right like that her her costume has changed from the sort of French maid's outfit the domestic servant's outfit to the seamstress outfit to the um uh you know to the the high school girl uniform you know she's dressed in the sort of the livery of the the beeline uh, at the end, when she's when she's giddily going to referee uh, between the girls who are fighting over the three button vests, right? 
That's interesting. Yeah, I, have we ever seen? I mean, I'm sure this is the case, but it's it's escaping my mind. Like, have we seen Dorota out of uniform? Have we ever seen her? I think she's uh, gone home. Haven't we seen her at home uh, maybe. when she was pregnant? And also, um, uh, oh, also she wears a coat or something when she goes when she goes out, doesn't she? This is is a uniform in a way, right? Well, that I it's um, it's it's just the the it's standard, right? That she doesn't have, um, the, well, I guess, yeah, that, that the ability to have a variety of coats, but even like, at the, you know, I guess they all have the, um, the, all of the characters have uniforms at a certain point. Right. And this is the interesting thing about, um, you know, the Blair's line is that she, it's, it's interesting, right. That her uniform deviated from what the uniform was, but it was like, still, like, there was not, infinite variation right that there is it's variations on a theme and that was her uniform right she was not you know constantly spiraling unpredictably to like from like punky brewster socks to one week to like you know gothic uh gothic black lace another week to to like takes on like you know like to like a superhero costume right it was that there is a, a a core that like comprised her, her um her her uniform right just as like even though chuck has a you know any number of improbable yet um uh, surprisingly effective color combinations of blazers ties and shirts yeah. uh, uh those are still uniform right that this the 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 the, the range of variation uh, uh within which uh they are the, this ultimately kind of narrow band comprises a uniform uh in and of itself you know and serena you know uh um you know has many many ways in which she can uh bear her cleavage but must always bear the cleavage mm-hmm. uh, like the the crazy like see-through dress that she wore in this most recent episode yes. um or the sweater it was a it was like a it was like a yellow sweater wasn't it with the, the black bra underneath underneath it like that um right. the, the, these are all uniforms right um and 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 uh and and so right that like a deviation from any of those would would not make sense, right? So so Dorota, yes, wears a coat, but only wears one coat. Um, but that's no more or less a uniform than Blair's many coats, um, if that if that makes sense. Sure. Um, yeah. So where else? Where else? What else? What else is on our cognitive agenda? Well, you want to talk about art a little bit? All right, we've talked about fashion, and so let's, let's talk about let's talk about art. Um, and, and talk about, um, the spectrum, um, most, uh, most specifically the, um, the Richard Phillips piece that is, um, really central in the, um, episode, uh, before the one that we've been discussing. Um, and, and so, yeah, what's, um, I mean, what's notable about this? Had you, had you noticed this piece before? I mean, it's been, you know, in the, the apartment, um, set for a while, I think. Um, but have had you noticed it before? Had you had, uh, had and were you aware of this piece of art until it became the center of of this uh, run of episodes? I hadn't, or- you know, I hadn't looked it up, and and I have to say, my knowledge of contemporary art is not. Uh, now that I've done some digging on the blog, I mean, it, it actually this rabbit hole goes pretty deep uh, with the the role of contemporary art on Gossip Girl. It's I'm 
you know, I don't know. It seems to me, uh, uh, it seems to me that this is a whole language that that uh, that the show speaks that I have that I have missed uh, so far. I mean, we've talked about a lot about the music that's chosen, and and to see that the the sort of the art direction is as carefully curated as the. Uh, as the soundtrack is is um, is very interesting to me, but it's a, it's a world I am I am a complete neophyte in, so I I don't have a lot to say that I can't. This is not parroted from something on the internet. Well, and the website that we're talking about that we'll put in the show notes is um, a blog called Accessible Art that has an entire um, has an entire um, tag for Gossip Girl art and does very very nicely um, kind of shows the pieces that are by a particular contemporary artist in a set piece. And, um, and then it gives a little bit of context of these pieces. And it's really cool. I mean, it's, it's really, I would love to, you know, I'm like, this is like a stroll down memory lane. Like some of the photography in the studio, uh, where, where Jenny went wild, you know, where first she went wild. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, it's a, well, and also like all, of, like all, especially like the decor of Chuck's uh, apartment. I mean, I think this is another fascinating thing, right? Is that Chuck's apartment is one of the best decorated, right? In terms of like the number of pieces of um, relatively important contemporary art that are that are hanging up there, right. which is not surprising, right? That that Chuck has great, uh, great taste, um, but um but the idea i mean the idea with lily is that like she was a muse for a lot of these artists yeah i mean right you imagine that a lot of these were were gifts you know um from the artists uh to lily in exchange for her you know modeling and and perhaps other services uh as well um uh you know well so i mean like art is a what it's a sort of portable tangible form of of wealth right and the sort of uselessness of the object uh sort of reinforces doesn't it the 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 power uh or the the kind of the excess wealth of the the of its owner that way it's like money <laughs> <laughs> yeah but money is you know money has like uh instrumental benefits you know um Art, art is there almost entirely for intimidation. I, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, it does remind me. I guess it's in my mind's eye. I, I kind of, on one hand, have the spectrum image, and then the other, the image from um, I think the season finale of um, uh, of this most recent season of Breaking Bad. That's um, uh, where where Skyler and Walt are in uh, the storage locker, which is like the big brick of money. Right. Um, and, and, and there it's interesting because that is, is ferreted away in a secret um, in a secret storage locker um, as opposed to the art, which is hung on the walls. Right. Um, but it is, I mean, it is interesting, though. I mean, I yes, money has instrumental value in that you can spend it. But art can be is auctioned, is is traded, is a hiding place for your secret Sudanese oil document. Uh, like, yeah, sure. Microfilm. Um, but it is, it's, you know, just both of them, I mean, both money and art are given their value is, is socially conferred. Right. Um, and, and I mean, you know, the money and currency is, is also politically conferred, but they're, they're, they're not as different in some ways. It's just that the, you know, 
Um, the the Richard Phillips Spectrum is a you know one point one million dollar bill. Um, <laughs> um, and 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 uh, and and it's it's a certain kind of store, it, right? Because I mean, you again, you were describing it as a portable. Um, kind of manifestation of wealth, which again, you know, I mean, we're talking about the world of like racks on racks on racks, uh, to quote uh, Kanye, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And and you know, kind of hanging a there, there's lots of you know, like hanging the the Richard Phillips on your wall is is not so different from making it rain. <laughs> uh, no, I suppose not. Um... <laughs> That I, I kind of taken aback. I don't even know where to where to go with that. Though I, I guess kind of like cash and you know cash money, um, art being physical is sort of vulnerable, right? To uh, I was actually thinking about all that like expensive art being transported around New York. You know, like uh, Ivy says, I'll have it. I'll have it shipped over, right? Um, to Chuck when he buys it from her, but the, but that like for something that is so heavily symbolic, it is it is so susceptible to um, the problems of being a physical object. Uh, you know what yeah. I'm saying? That's actually a, um, that's 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 a really good because you can point. break it or you can like trip and and you know put your head through a painting or something like that like or you know what I mean or like I don't know it can be or it can be interfered with as as the, the as spectrum is right like uh, as spectrum is when the the backing is taken off in the microfilm microfilm by the way really it's not like a usb drive or something um and the microfilm is is taken off i guess i guess it's actually important that uh that the records on bart be be tangible be actually uh be an object and not a, a representation of an object as in like digital information um so that it can be it can be you know destroyed uh right in the fire at the end of uh, at the end of the episode if this is coming from the government of Sudan, um, they they probably don't have the most state of the art communication technology. Um, right, their their computers still use uh, still use like uh, PS2 connectors and and you know old fourteen pin serial ports or something. You could imagine that. It's it's. I mean, that's not entirely true, but um, you know, uh, it's it's about as look it's. The microfilm is as plausible as Bass Industries, um, like uh, financial manager or whatever he is, using a Windows 8 phone. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, that, let's let's just maybe quickly ring the changes on the ways that Microsoft has done product placements. You remember the uh, Kin, right? Yes. Yeah. The uh, Microsoft Kin, and by the way, they sold like 200 of those phones. Uh, I mean, it was a debacle. Um, because apparently they were terrible. Uh, you remember the Bing ads with little Jay saying, Bing, and you're done. Right? Like actually working the tagline into the dialogue of the, the show. And now, now apparently for, you know, the, the non-security conscious, uh, you can use, um, you can use your, your Windows 8 phone. Right. Exactly. And, and, um, yeah, so it's you know in some ways I and we've, we've talked about this a lot before but in some ways microfilm again is 
it's it's striking that microfilm is not the most implausible use of technology in that episode um, because it's 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 and that is the kind that is is just something that just breaks right it's it's interesting to see these in juxtaposition of like you know on one hand looking at this accessible art website where the art is so kind of relevant and on and right and there's so much attention to really think about that and yet when it comes to um the the use of technology it's very much um you know related to like um right yeah like these people wouldn't have iphone fives uh, <laughs> uh it's it's just implausible in a way uh that like that that they would be you know it's 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 just you it it, it it i'm trying to articulate it it's that you are so very aware i mean i think it's very obvious that this is is product placement because this is not a thing that is known as a cool technology right that it's very apparent you feel it more apparently than with the music or the art or the fashion that you're that that i'm sure that you know like our perception of what is cool is being shaped by that being included in Gossip Girl, but it's close enough to that that it doesn't feel entirely off. Whereas the Windows, most of these Microsoft products are so far from what is like normal or cool um, that the attempts to make them cool for marketing ring entirely false, right? Um, again, it, it would be like Dorota wearing one of Blair's coats. Um, it, yeah. it, it, it's not right, so that in some ways this kind of uniform that these, this technology is not part of Gossip Girl's uniform, and it sticks out um, like a like a sore thumb, um, and and you know it does not. I mean, it definitely detracts a little bit from the show, and it, and it certainly just doesn't do Microsoft any favors. Um, I mean, I can't imagine that. I mean, maybe this counterfactual is that all two hundred of the purchasers of the Kin were Gossip Girl viewers. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think so. It's just, uh, yeah, it is. I mean, it's funny. It's, the, of course, I'm watching the show without commercials, as as are you. Or maybe you are. Oh, right, you're watching the CW app, so you get lots of skin creams, right? You get, you get, in fact, extra advertisements. Right, right. Um, for yeah, that- watch. Yeah, it takes a, an hour twenty minutes to watch a forty minute episode of of Gossip Girl, right? Yeah, and what I re- basically know is that the um, Vampire Diaries still looks. Totally ridiculous. <laughs> More so every week. Um, which I, don't- I, really, I really enjoy the Vampire Diaries, not for the reasons that we like Gossip Girl, but because it's a good, it is a very good ridiculous soap that actually kind of revels in, in how ridiculous it is. Um, and also, it's not afraid to, to pull its punches. It's pretty horrifying in, in, in parts, in, just in the sort of psychological horror of it, you know? Like, um, like if you could be a vampire and like overpower women and then like erase their memories with your mind, um, you know, wouldn't you have a bevy of good looking sex slaves? Uh, like one of the characters on vampire diaries. It's very, it's very, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. It's very dark, not for kids. No. Um, which is probably precisely who watches it. Okay. So that's great. Um, that's wonderful, but not buying. Yeah. Not buying the kids. I was just thinking this is whimsical, but do you think the plural of iPhone five is iPhones five? Huh. <laughs> um, so the cool thing, and this is apropos of nothing, the cool thing in ad, in uh, product placement is actually dynamic ad insertion. So a uh, a show is shot with um, 
like green with, with like the posters on set. The if you're in the subway or something, or the, like the table tents on set. If you're in a bar or something, being um, uh, mini green screens, and then the ads are are placed dynamically over them, so that you can have ads uh, for a movie coming out this weekend in a show that originally aired five years ago. What's What's interesting is that this spot is actually a dynamic ad space um, for. <laughs> Previous episode of the Overthinking It podcast in which this discussion um, first occurred. <laughs> right, I believe you guys have talked about this on the OTI podcast. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. The the, uh, the but I, I don't imagine our our audience overlaps a lot, so I, I I like to reuse material. Fair, fair enough. Um, I want to return just um, before we close to the 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 spectrum painting itself. Um, sure. I think there's two things, right? So one thing is, as I was thinking about, you know, that you were um, uh, still, I think, not quite sold on my kind of money and art uh, uh, comparison um, and, and my, my invoking of, of Watch the Throne. Um, it's interesting in that there's, you know, again, I, I love the idea. You know, one of my favorite lines are the like, you know, the, the idea of a rack as a, as a large stack of money. Um, you know, it's, it's been kind of slang for a while, but the Kanye's racks on racks on racks, uh, is, is one of several kind of, you know, very much, uh, descriptions of kind of, um, ostentatious descriptions of physical wealth. But like, you know, it reminds art- me of, it reminds me of Gertrude Stein saying a rose is a rose is a rose is a rose, right? <laughs> racks on racks. Uh, it's turtles all the way down. Yeah. Um, but then I think throughout that there's also a lot of modern art uh, in Watch the Throne, right? That um, where Jay Z says Basquiat, Warhol, these are my muses, right? Right, um, and and that these you know that you have a certain num once you have a certain number of racks, you are um, you are you're, you can you can level up to this next level of currency, right? And and I think that there is some of this you know that. I, the the tensions around you know is Ivy able to be um, right the, the, and again when um, uh, in a lot of the the dialogue in the art auction scene right is that um, Lily says that she, her imagery she says is that uh, Rufus and Ivy rubbed their last two nickels together to buy this right and so and so there is very much this this logic of of currency of and of of there being kind of an accumulative that that they're units right and and um that that art is some unit of currency um but then i mean beyond that i mean it's interesting that we've had like a 20 minute discussion about art without talking about like the actual the actual <laughs> piece like that that these things actually have a content right right I think that that is in the more of the way in which it is different from money than any other, right? Sure. Um, and and I think what's interesting about spectrum, no, is, I don't know. a lot of our money is like orange now, huh? But what does it mean? Yeah, right. And but well, I think that you know, in terms of, I think spectrum is very uh, interesting in that it's it's right. It's very much del- deliberately about kind of a disaggregation of a person, right? A disaggregation and reaggregation um, is at least partially how I see it. Um, what, what was it? Nate described it as the rainbow lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think, and it's really interesting, in part because, you know, that at this point, 
I think what's interesting about um, the, the painting is that we see the, you know, the whole woman on the left side, and then on the right we see her broken out into these various, the, the various parts of, um, of the spectrum, right, that, that comprise this. And, you know, the, the process of looking at this simultaneously is kind of where we are with um, Gossip Girl at this point, right? And that, you know, in this well, episode... Also, I mean, in, in just a very crude way, it's a metaphor for television, right? Like, and, uh, you know, a photo, uh, an image being decomposed into different colors of light, uh, red, green, and blue in the case of television, and, you know, and transmitted kind of separately and then being sort of aggregated together to form a, to form a, uh, a final image. Right. But, but you're talk you're talking actually on yet a higher level of abstraction than that. Um, right. And so, but, but I think that that's very interesting, right. Is that in some ways that also, especially, I think it's interesting that to draw attention to this so late in a television show, because you're able to kind of, you know, engage in this process of with these characters or these storylines or this world kind of do this thing where you both see the forest and the trees, right? And, and that, you know, and, and in this specific episode, what's alongside this spectrum is this dimension of Blair, right? Is understanding the relationship between the, as Blair puts it, the Grace Kelly and the Grace Jones, right? Um, but so much of this season is kind of disaggregating and re-aggregating these characters and this social scene in this kind of you know, ways that we've seen before, um, but because we've seen them so much before, we can see the, 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 the components and the whole together. Um, and, and so that it's, it's kind of reminding us, in, in part, how we have changed. It goes back to your point about um, the broad sweep of the show of, um, you know, we now have this skill, at least with respect to this world of Gossip Girl, and possibly with respect you know, to a broader way of um, how we view television as a whole, that we now kind of, you know, even though Gossip Girl ultimately will probably fall short of this pantheon of this golden age of television, is part of, like, you know, teaching us how to watch television um, in, in this way and in, in a way that is, um, you know, as, as a form of art. Uh, and, in, and it's a way, you know, in some ways thinking about this... Um, you know, the, these multiple levels of, of the spectrum piece and, and how it kind of thinks, you know, re- represents kind of the forms of aggregation and disaggregation and of kind of meaning and sequence um, actually reminds me a little bit of the um, Dr. Manhattan chapter of Watchmen. I mean, have you, have you read Watchmen? Uh, no, the graph- I, I haven't. Um, there's, I mean, a great, um, really kind of one of the most interesting chapters of of Watchmen is the one in which the the you know superhuman um, uh, character uh, kind of transcends space and time um, is sitting on Mars and is viewing kind of time in a non-linear fashion, right? Um, and is moving throughout the various stages of his life, at least in this in this chapter. Um, and in doing this, in his ability to do this, it is also you know. It, the 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 character is able to you know the part of the point is that the the character experiences life in the way that a reader of a comic book experiences a comic and that that there the way that time is is chopped up um, and able to be viewed and gone back and and forward and paced in in different ways relates very much to the um you know the 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 like how the character works and how the narrative works 
is intertwined with the form. And I think that, um, you know, the use, this use of um, this kind of, you know, physical, visual art in the context of a television show um, and, and, you know, the specific piece of art is, uh, you know, an interesting kind of version of a similar, uh, similar thing. Um, and so I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's, there's a lot there. Um, and it's really, um, I, I think it's, 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 it's quite well done. Um, as much as we kind of at various times in this episode, um, were, were trashing Gossip Girl for being Gossip Girl. Again, we, we ended up with a grand statement of, of how Gossip Girl itself is a work of modern art, right? And it's kind of both at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to say yeah to... Uh, <laughs> to uh, if you, if you want to utter a perfunctory affirmation to our... Uh, to our, to our, our um, Sorry, I'm busy Googling Richard Phillips paintings. Um, there's a great painting of Lindsay Lohan and there's another one of Sasha Gray. Uh, and there's another one of Taylor Momsen as little Jay from, uh, uh, from gossip girl. Um, some of which I'll link up in the show notes. Oops has actually, um, has, has now done. Wow. That, so that, that's really like eating its own tail. So Richard Phillips has done art of, uh, of like the characters on gossip girl. That is correct, sir. That is fantastic. Yep. You think that is fantastic. There are many <laughs> to tell us so, um, such as TFT, uh, emailing us at tftpodcast at overthinkingit.com, um, following us on Twitter, interacting with us on Twitter at, at tftpodcast, um, leaving us a voicemail or a text at 203-285-6401. That's 20FATJOG01. Uh, um, leaving comments in the show notes. Uh, and... Yeah, we are we are in the home stretch here. Um, we've been doing still every other week. Uh, we'll we'll see what I we think we would have done every week had it not been had it not been the holiday. I mean, we'll see when next week rolls around whether there's enough to 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 pull together into an episode. Yeah, I think that now, like from here on out, we're going to do um, actually just really go in the, the opposite direction and just um, spend like we're going to spend six. We're gonna we're gonna do one week. Uh, per like beat per act of of Gossip Girl episode, so just you know, for each space between commercials, we'll devote one week so that we can drag out Gossip Girl for at least like most of the these last three episodes of Gossip Girl. We'll drag out for the, at least the rest of this season of TFT podcast. Right. Really, really dial dial in the resolution so that we can catch all of the nuances of modern art. Of uh, the relationships between art and currency, um, of the foundations of legitimacy, of junior fashion lines, um, of 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 shifting perspectives of who is the hero and who is the villain, of shotguns and briefcases, but most of all of the- these fucking teenagers. <laughs>